Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It's time for Justice Matters with former federal prosecutor and MSNBC analyst Glenn Kirshner. Today, Glenn gives us an update on the various trials of Donald Trump. So friends, we're launching a new segment today. We have been in the investigative phase for what seems like an eternity, investigating the crimes of Donald Trump and his co-conspirators and his criminal associates. But we are undeniably about to enter a new phase, a phase that I've been referring to as the Trump trials. Now, let's dig into three stories involving the Trump trials. And I think the first story is the biggest of the three. It involves Georgia District Attorney Fawny Willis, who is undeniably getting ready to indict Trump and company in August. Here is the new reporting. Headline from NBC News. Georgia prosecutor indicates charges in Trump election probe could come in early August, or as The Hill put it, Georgia prosecutor clears decks for possible Trump charges. And here is the reporting in that NBC article. The Georgia prosecutor investigating possible interference in the 2020 election by then-President Donald Trump and his allies has requested no trials or in-person hearings be held at the Fulton County Courthouse in early August, a sign of when a decision on charges could be announced. In a letter Thursday to the chief judge of the courthouse, Fulton County District Attorney Fawny Willis said she plans on having 70% of her staff working remotely between July 31st and August 18th. Those who will remain in the courthouse at that time include the leadership staff and all armed investigators, according to a letter, a copy of which was obtained by NBC News. Quote, I respectfully request that judges not schedule trials and in-person hearings during the weeks beginning Monday, August 7th and Monday, August 14th, it said. Willis did not give a reason for the unusual request in the letter, which was first reported by the New York Times. Well, friends, D.A. Willis may not have been prepared to give a reason why she was making this extraordinary request, but I'll give a reason. A big old conspiracy indictment will be dropping in early August, and Fawny Willis and her prosecutors will be occupying the judges full-time for two weeks, running all of the defendants who have been indicted through court for their arraignment hearings or their presentment hearings, maybe even some preliminary hearings. Those are all slightly different hearings, all of which are conducted on the front end of a criminal case shortly after 
indictments are returned by a grand jury. Remember when the special grand jury that heard from all of the witnesses down in Georgia finished its business and issued a report? We have yet to see the report, but what did we learn about that report, including from some of the grand jurors who gave interviews to the media as they were permitted to do? Well, we learned, among other things, that they had recommended that as many as 20 or more people be indicted for violating Georgia state election laws. So I suspect we are going to see dozens of people indicted, probably beginning in early August. And during those first two weeks, the week of August 7th and the week of August 14th, they are going to be in court as defendants in what I suspect will be a big old conspiracy case. Now, in a couple of recent interviews, I was asked, you know, as a former career prosecutor, have you ever done anything like this where you've reached out to a court and you've asked a court not to schedule any trials or in-person hearings for a two-week period? The answer is no. Notwithstanding 30 years as a federal prosecutor, I never did anything close to that. You know, I racked my brain and I think the closest thing I experienced was when I was a prosecutor in D.C. and we knew there were going to be enormous protests that were going to be held in the city. Sometimes we would reach out to the court, the chief judge of the, the court, and say, you know, judge, we just want to put you on notice that this big protest is scheduled for Saturday, for example, and it may be that there will be an unusually high number of arrests such that you know, in the days after the protest, we might be occupying lots and lots and lots of the court's time presenting any protesters who may have been arrested during the course of the protest. Sometimes that could be dozens, sometimes it could be hundreds or more. So that was the only loosely comparable circumstance I could think of when we would reach out to the court and say, hey, Judge, just for scheduling purposes, we want you to know about this event that may impact, you know, the, the court's business in the coming days or weeks. But asking a court to clear the decks of all trials and in-person hearings for two weeks? No, I've never seen anything like that. And that is a signal that makes it clear to this old prosecutor that indictments are coming in early August. I cannot envision District Attorney Fawny Willis asking the court to stand down from doing all other business if she was not going to be indicting people and running them through court during those first two weeks in August. So that is a big development. It's a cryptic development, yes, but it's a big development that signals indictments are coming. Let's turn to the second story. The second story involves E. Jean Carroll. Now, yes, E. Jean Carroll has already whooped Donald Trump in court, winning a jury verdict against him for him having assaulted her and defamed her. But E. Jean Carroll is not done with Donald Trump because she has another civil suit against him pending. You may recall the first civil suit E. Jean Carroll filed against Donald Trump was for defamatory statements he made while he was president 
And then, of course, being the idiot that he is, he made those same defamatory statements about her after he left federal service, after he left the presidency, and she brought a new case against him because he couldn't possibly claim he had any immunity because the statements were, you know, within the scope of his official duties as president. Well, he wasn't president anymore, and he has now lost that trial. But the first civil suit is still pending for the statements he made while president. Now, you may recall that when he had that corrupt attorney general, Bill Barr, who was doing every favor he could think of for Donald Trump and Donald Trump's criminal associates, when E. Jean Carroll filed that case, Bill Barr substituted the Department of Justice for Donald Trump, right? So Donald Trump didn't have to contend with the case, and Bill Barr said, oh, these statements that Donald Trump made that were allegedly lies and defamatory about E. Jean Carroll? Well, he made them within the scope of his official duties as president. So the Department of Justice steps in and we assume responsibility for the suit, which would mean the suit would have to be dismissed if Donald Trump truly made these statements within the scope of his official duties as president. Well, now the Department of Justice has sent a letter that suggests that it may be rethinking this whole substitution thing. So there's a copy of the letter and it's pretty cryptic. It doesn't come right out and say what the Department of Justice is intending to do, but let's look at just a couple of the sentences in this letter, which was filed with Judge Kaplan by the Department of Justice on May 26th. It asks for a briefing schedule on the issue of substitution. Bingo, that's the operative word. They want to revisit the question of substitution. In other words, you know, maybe the Department of Justice shouldn't step in, give Donald Trump the assist. You know, maybe these statements really weren't within the scope of his official duties as president. In fact, I think the jury verdict makes clear that when Donald Trump made these statements as president, he absolutely lied about assaulting E. Jean Carroll. He absolutely defamed her by telling those lies about her. And now a jury has concluded that that's precisely what he did. How in the world can it be within the scope of your official duties as president to lie about someone you assaulted and defame them, damage their reputation, damage their earning potential, inflict emotional distress, pain, and suffering. How, how can that be within the official scope of a president's duties? Come on, at some point, morality has to come into play and decency and integrity in office has to come into play. Now, I will hasten to add, even though this substitution started under Bill Barr, it continued under Merrick Garland. And that is a black mark on Merrick Garland's tenure because that is, in my opinion, the wrong decision to make. But it looks like better late than never. The Department of Justice may be reconsidering the substitution issue. Let's go back to the letter for a moment. 
It says, you know, the attorney general makes the initial decision as to whether the defendant employee, that's Donald Trump, was acting within the scope of his office or employment at the time of the incident, which would be the lies and defamatory statements he made. But it adds, the attorney general's determination about whether the person is acting within the scope of his official duties is framed by the allegations of the operative complaint. And now that E. Jean Carroll has filed an amended complaint in that case, the Department of Justice needs to reassess the substitution issue. So no, they don't come right out and say, you know, we've given it a relook and we no longer think the Department of Justice should take responsibility for this litigation. So we're going to properly put Donald Trump back in as the defendant, as the respondent, and we're not going to defend him as having acted within the scope of his official duties when he lied about and defamed E. Jean Carroll, as is now bolstered by a jury verdict that that's exactly what he did. That's a good development. So friends, let's turn to the third and final story. And I think this really is the least consequential of the three, but it has to do with the Trump trials. Here's a reporting from NBC News. Prosecutors say they have a recording of Trump and a witness in Manhattan DA case. And that article begins, prosecutors in New York have informed attorneys for Donald Trump that the evidence in their hush money case against the former president includes an audio recording of him and the witness a court filing made public Friday shows. Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg's office made the disclosure in a filing this week called an automatic discovery form and said the evidence had already been disclosed to Trump's attorneys. The filing does not identify the witness or say when the recording was made or when Trump's lawyers were made aware of it. So friends, why do I say this is probably the least consequential development? Well, because we already know that there's a recording between Donald Trump and a witness. That witness is Michael Cohen. As the NBC article goes on to state, a key witness in the case, former Trump lawyer Michael Cohen, previously released a secretly taped audio recording of a discussion he had with Trump about the hush money payments in 2016. It's unclear if the recording referred to in the court filing is the same one, but I suspect it probably is. We don't know, but I think that's likely. So this makes this story, I think, less consequential than the development in the E. Jean Carroll case or the development in District Attorney Fonnie Willis's case. So friends, let's finish with this. I'll be doing my best to capture and consolidate in my daily videos all of the important developments in the Trump trials. And as I mentioned, I hope you'll consider going over to my website, glennkirshner.com, and dropping me a note, a note about my coverage of the Trump trials, or anything you'd like me to know or you would like me to cover. But I can promise you, I will be covering the Trump trials every day like white on rice, because justice matters.
Coming up, Glenn puts together the many new puzzle pieces of Trump's classified documents case. This is Justice Matters. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. New clues about evidence the Department of Justice is gathering on the Mar-a-Lago classified documents case is slowly emerging. Glenn says he's beginning to see how this trial will play out. So friends, pulling together the evidence in a criminal case really is a lot like assembling a puzzle. No one piece of a puzzle ever shows you the entire picture. You don't know what picture will emerge until you begin to assemble the puzzle, until you begin putting the pieces together. So let's take just three puzzle pieces recently reported about Donald Trump's classified documents crimes. Let's put those three pieces together and see what picture emerges. So puzzle piece number one was just reported by The Guardian. Headline, Trump lawyer said to have been waved off searching office for secret records. And that article begins, Donald Trump's lawyer tasked with searching for classified documents at Mar-a-Lago after the Justice Department issued a subpoena told associates that he was waved off from searching the former president's office, where the FBI later found the most sensitive materials anywhere on the property. Waved off is a nice way of putting it. He was blocked by somebody from searching Donald Trump's office for classified documents. The article continues, the lawyer Evan Corcoran recounted that several Trump aides had told him to search the storage room because that was where all the materials that had been brought from the White House at the end of Trump's presidency ended up being deposited. Corcoran found 38 classified documents in the storage room. He then asked whether he should search anywhere else, like Trump's office, but was steered away, he told associates. Corcoran never searched Trump's office and told prosecutors the 38 papers were the extent of the material at Mar-a-Lago. That assertion that there were no classified documents elsewhere at the property proved to be wrong when the FBI seized 101 classified documents months afterwards, including 
from Trump's office, which was found to be where the most highly classified documents had been located. It was not clear who waved off Corcoran from searching elsewhere at Mar-a-Lago, whether it was Trump himself or Trump employees who advised him to look for classified documents in the storage room, according to an account of his testimony to the grand jury. So puzzle piece number one, one of Trump's lawyers, Evan Corcoran, was blocked, we don't know by whom, from searching Donald Trump's office for classified documents, and that is where the FBI ended up finding some of the most highly sensitive classified documents when they conducted a search pursuant to a search warrant that was issued by a federal judge who found probable cause to believe there was evidence of crime at Mar-a-Lago at Donald Trump's home in Florida. Let's turn to puzzle piece number two. This from ABC News. Headline, former Trump lawyer accuses current Trump lawyer of interfering with classified documents searches. And that article begins, former Trump lawyer Tim Parlatore is now publicly blasting a current lawyer for former President Donald Trump days after departing the legal team, alleging Boris Epstein attempted to interfere with additional searches for classified material at Trump's property. And this is what former Trump lawyer Tim Parlatore said about current Trump lawyer Boris Epstein, quote, in my opinion, he was not very honest with us or with the client on certain things. There were certain things like the searches that he had attempted to interfere with, Parlatore said during an appearance on CNN on Saturday. Parlatore added that Epstein who has served as somewhat of a liaison between the lawyers, made defending Trump more difficult. So puzzle piece number two was that Trump lawyer Boris Epstein was interfering with other Trump lawyers, including specifically in the search for classified documents. And Boris seemed like such a nice young man. Not. Remember this reporting a few months back? This from the Independent headline, Trump aide Boris Epstein has phone seized as Justice Department steps up January 6th inquiry with 40 subpoenas. And that article begins, the Department of Justice investigation into the January 6th, 2021 attack on the Capitol and former President Donald Trump's attempt to remain in office against the will of the voters has taken a new turn with the issuing of 40 grand jury subpoenas to aides and advisors over the last week. According to the New York Times, the escalation in the long-running probe has also seen the seizure of mobile phones belonging to two of Mr. Trump's longtime confidants campaign strategist Mike Roman and Trump attorney and occasional podcast host Boris Epstein. Ain't that something, friends? The FBI seized old Boris's cell phone. But hey, who among us hasn't had our cell phones seized by the FBI? I mean, who among us hasn't had a federal judge 
find probable cause that we had evidence of federal crime in our cell phone and issue a search and seizure warrant for our cell phone. So friends, the three puzzle pieces. One, some Trump ally blocked Trump attorney Evan Corcoran from searching Donald Trump's office for classified documents precisely where the FBI found classified documents shortly thereafter in Donald Trump's office in his very desk drawers. Puzzle piece number two, former Trump lawyer Tim Parlatore said current Trump lawyer Boris Epstein was interfering with searches for classified documents at Trump properties. And puzzle piece number three, a federal judge found there was probable cause and ordered the seizure of old Boris's cell phone because there was evidence of federal crime in Boris's cell phone. Looks like a picture is emerging to me. And it looks like old Boris might want to get himself a lawyer. You know, MAGA really does seem to stand for make attorneys get attorneys. Now, will Boris end up a co-defendant with Donald Trump in a criminal indictment? Only time will tell. But if the evidence supports it, you bet he should be indicted for obstructing justice, for preventing the FBI, the Department of Justice, the federal government from retrieving from Mar-a-Lago the classified documents Donald Trump stole from the federal government. Because justice matters. Friends, as always, please stay safe, please stay tuned, and I look forward to talking with you all again soon. For more on Glenn, go to Glenn Kirshner 2 on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. This is Justice Matters.